The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back. Happy uh, Friday it is here on the Get You Ready for the Weekend. I'm Audrey Salvesen here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Again, a huge, I cannot just express my um, gratitude to both Greg Hislop and Craig was, I called him at about, I don't know, two and a half hours before the show and I said, hey, because I knew Eric would be gone and I said, hey, Craig, I, I feel like I, you'd be the best help for this interview and I, I didn't want to mess this up and uh, I thought Craig, uh, he was so nice about it, he was more than happy to come in and uh, so gracious with his time as was Jim Law, but I can't express my gratitude to both gentlemen for, for doing so. Uh, I was fun, and I hope you enjoyed it too. You can listen to that interview if you missed it in its entirety uh, on 1069 thefancom I'll post it as soon as we are done with the show. Uh, I'm kind of flying solo here, so there's only one man who can do so much, but I'll post it immediately. Uh, you can Again, find it on Twitter. You can find it on 1069thefan.com. Uh, you're going to go to Stitcher, um, iTunes, and Spotify and find our podcast there. Type in my name, type in Eric's name, type in the Full Court Press, and you can find our shows past um, and present here uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Again, a, a big thanks out to those two guys. Hope you're having a great Friday, and I hope you're ready for the weekend. Uh, and I, for those who are going to the Yankee game, I hope you're dressing warm. It is supposed to be wet. It is supposed to be cold. Um, expect it. Even if you do, if, if your phone says something different, don't trust it. Expect to be a cold one again for the Aggies. You know, I was talking to uh, Dominic the other night, and I said, how much is kicking affect you as a kicker and he said it's not the wetness it's not the rain or the snow it's the wind that gets me the most and I thought that was really interesting that all the things that could really affect a kicker it's it's not it's not a wet ball at all actually it's uh it's a fact that kicking against the wind is what's really the most bothersome and so uh here we are we're actually going to play Dominic's Everly's interviews we get you ready for Utah State Nevada tomorrow night at 8 15 uh we're going to play Dominic's interview with you guys and uh, in its entirety and uh, you can listen to it here uh, and you, you'll hear about the kicking and the kicking those in those conditions and kicking against Brandon Talton who's actually coming up to be one of the best Mountain West Conference kickers. Uh, here's Dominic Eberlich from Monday's Presser getting you ready for Utah State Nevada tomorrow night at 8-15. Um, I feel like right now the team is in a good spot. We obviously were humbled last time we were out but we took that as an edge, as something that we set that that's not going to happen. That's not who we are and came out, had a really good week of practice. And, you know, really that brotherhood is showing right now because some people can fold, some people can point a finger. But I feel like that didn't happen at all with us. Um, we're going to go out and compete. I feel like our guys have a lot of confidence. And now being back home where we've been on a good run. Um, I feel like that's just going to add to our fire and really push us for these next seven weeks. There's some, uh, once again, there's some really good kickers in the Mountain West. Cooper Roth from Wyoming. Uh, this kid from Nevada is doing, a, doing an outstanding job. How much uh, do guy, guys like that in the Mountain West kind of uh, inf- inspire you to, to play at a high level? Uh, competition's great. I mean, that's what's going to push you to be as good as you can be. I mean, I know Cooper personally, he's a really good guy, 
I uh, was really happy for the season that he had last year, and I always want to root for him. I haven't met Nevada's kicker yet. Uh, I know he's from California. He's got a good leg. He's got all the confidence in the world right now, and you know I, I want to compete against him. I want to see how that kind of makes both of us better. But in the end, it's, kicking is a competition with oneself and going out there and just doing your job and being one for one every single time. We talked before the year I talked to you about, you know, we, your placements are what everybody notices. How have you done with kickoffs? It seems like to me you've neutralized a lot of the other teams doing much. You satisfied with what you've done with kickoffs so far, Don? Yeah, I mean, from the different kind of specialty kicks that we have uh, and to just being able to sometimes just kick it out of the back of the end zone, we're really trying to minimize their return game, their returners. I mean, we've played against some outstanding guys and minimize them. I feel like that's something that I take pride in, just being able to be utilized in so many different things, whether it's kicking off left, uh, right, kicking off short, having a kind of different array of um, specialty kicks. That's really something that I pride myself in that not, not everybody would maybe see. But that's something where I practice constantly and I want to always be 100% when those opportunities do arise. So you, from your start here to where you are now, it's like light years in the kicking game from where you started. Mm -hmm. Can you express that in any way? I mean... Like, dude, we're just thinking about you just kicking it hard and long and straight or whatever, but there's lots more that goes into it, it sounds like. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of technique that you know you can constantly kind of tweak constantly kind of adjust but the fundamentals are there and from the first time that I got here till where I'm now you know my complete kicking style has changed and whether that's through some of the coaches that I've had just you know separate from Utah State the kicking coaches I go see or just you know me seeing something on film that I needed to change that's kind of what changes your routine maybe a little bit changes your form but not overall like the mindset of going out there and like I said being one for one every single time. In the midst of like inclement weather like Colorado State and then obviously later into this year how do you prepare for that? You know, I mean kicking field goals is there a way to prepare for it at all? Um, I mean the best way for the rain games to prepare is just kicking a wet ball I mean you kind of just get it and soak it, and that's kind of, you know, you don't have the rain dripping on you or anything like that, but you just feel that the ball's a little bit heavier. And then once we start getting later where it's just genuinely cold out, where it's freezing, I mean, we're already in practice kicking a frozen ball, everything, so that kind of just takes over to the game. But in the end, you know, whether you can, kickers love to blame it, but in the end, it's just, I got to go out there and make the kick. And that's kind of what I felt like with Colorado State. There weren't going to be any excuses. I just needed to go out there and do my job. Is the artificial surface on rain, is it more slick than grass or is grass still slicker? Uh, artificial. To try to plant and things like that. I would say grass. I mean, LSU's field was a bit strange because it's not your typical grass field. It's sand-based underneath. So you can kind of feel yourself slipping a, bit, a little bit more. But when I've played at other grass stadiums, it's never been uh, an issue. And same with the artificial. I mean, it's kind of just the same thing, and that's what you're focusing on. So the wetter doesn't really make a difference for the surface or anything like that? Not really. Wind, I mean, wind would still be the biggest deal, probably. Yeah, wind would be the biggest deal. I mean, the only thing that, you know, the weather kind of affects is maybe the snapper or the holder. I mean, you've got to think about those guys as well. But for kicking, it's pretty much the same thing over.
combination of there. You like the way everybody's worked together, Pata and, and Dalton for the most part with you. Has that worked out right? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Pata is one of the most underrated guys that nobody talks about, which, you know, he's been consistent. He's always done his job. He gets down on coverage. He forces the returner to make a fair catch. I mean, we got him in schemes now where he's blocking. He can kind of do everything, and he deserves a lot more credit than he sometimes might get. And then Aaron Dalton, he's been a leader. He's stepped up. He's now transitioned to just being the holder, and, you know, he takes pride in that. He wants our operation to run as smoothly as possible, and just having guys that are best friends of mine off the field where we constantly hang out or to being guys on the field where I can trust them no matter what the circumstances are that the operation's going to run smoothly. Obviously, this bye week was pretty valuable for a lot of guys being able to rest up. But, uh, I mean, especially after a loss, you guys get a little bit stir-crazy, um, just kind of maybe a little frustrated that you don't get to play the next week and uh, have that opportunity to bounce back. Uh, I feel like you can see it in both ways. I mean, you can go and you know, have a really great week of practice, see it as that, and then rather than, you know, not having a game and seeing that as something frustrating, it's, you know what, I just got better this week where someone else, somewhere else might not have. Where, you know, whether that's from the position group with the wide receivers or the quarterbacks, they start learning more things in that one week because they can solely focus on that one thing that they want to work on. Um, you know, you can transition that into now the next game because now you've had two weeks prep for a certain opponent and you know what you're going to be able to do and what they're going to be able to do. Was that, uh, you missed the kick against San Diego State. Did that, how did you handle that? Or what do you, does that go right out of your head and you're just worried about how do you handle that, Dom? Uh, both. I mean, I was frustrated because I knew I, I should make that 100% of the time. But, you know, I'm a realist sometimes. You just miss, and that's that's what happens I mean every kicker misses every kicker you know has a leg to make that kick but it's how you respond from it and you know I was frustrated was mad at myself for 10-15 minutes and then next thing I know is you know you're going to be thrown into the next situation the next kick and it's not about letting that kick affect you it's about going out and taking each kick by itself and coming back and having the good weeks of practice and then playing the next opponent kicking well that just builds your confidence right up to where it was before you just know that when we saw the games this weekend it's going to come down to kicks in some conference games to keep keep it on the winning side all the time isn't it exactly and you know it doesn't matter if the kick is at the end of the fourth quarter if the kick comes in the second quarter um, you never know when it's going to come that's why you got to take every single kick as seriously as you can and just going out there and making it the kicks are, it is going to come down to kicking field goals. Uh, you know, with the weather the way it is and the offense the way it's been going, they expect to have a majority of their guys back. I won't tell you who or who will not be sitting because I don't know officially, and we won't know until tomorrow. Don't forget, your pregame here on our sister station on 610 KVNU, 615, you'll get your pregame from the very best. Al Lewis, Craig Hislop, Eric Franson, Ryan Bohm. You'll get your postgame where you get a call in, you get to share your thoughts, and you get to be able to tell us what you feel, uh, what we hope to be an Aggie win. Uh, and on the other side for Nevada, you know, it's a really interesting team. They've got some big receivers. Uh, they are not very, with the new quarterback in Malik Henry, and by the way, again, if you know who Malik Henry, or at least if the name sounds familiar, it's because he was on Last Chance University, which we'd find on Netflix, doesn't really paint the college football pitcher in a very nice 
way, but uh, Malik is one of those kids who was a Florida State kid, um, obviously uh, left or was booted out because of some issues, and uh, then went to Independence, Missouri, played there for a little bit. Now he finds himself in Nevada, and he finds himself starting. Coach Anderson, realizing you know just how well-known this kid is and the celebrity of the kid, I guess, in a way, uh, talks about Malik Henry here and what he's looking forward to. Wherever they're at and what they're doing, they're just – it fits the world that they want, right? Um, and he walked into that moment, and he was prepared. And it was, it was good to see – I guess good to see is not really the right word because he played really well, but it's, it's good to see a kid jump into that spot and be prepared to do it, and he did. He took advantage of the opportunity and um, you know, played well enough to help his team uh, do what they had to do to win the football game. So um, you know, he's, he's waited to get into the position to, to make those plays, and he's done it. And um, we'll see you know, how it continues to grow and how he continues to develop as he goes through time. I'm sure he'll have high expectations, and as well as coaches will for himself, and he's, he's definitely a young man that you, you have to deal with. Last week against San Jose State, where they uh, won on Brandon Talton's game-winning field goal, Malik Henry was 22 of 37. He did have two uh, interceptions, uh, threw a tip, threw a touchdown, but got him down into a position to kick a field goal when they needed it to most. He threw for 352 total yards on the receiving side. Really big receivers. In fact, Elijah Cooks, who stands at 6'4", 215, the junior rice had a fantastic year so far. Six catches, uh, 94 yards, no TDs, but. He, you know, Coach Anderson, we talked about him on Monday, said the kid is always in those third and long situations. He's the guy they go to. What Cioso Mariner and what Caleb Rep have been for Jordan Love, Elijah Cooks has been for the uh, Nevada Wolfpack. And on the other and, then, and on the other side of the field in regards to the receiving duo, uh, Romeo Dobbs, who uh, has five catches, 146 yards, only one touchdown. His longest catch was 75 yards. Um, again, this receiving crew is is big. They're athletic, um, and and they can go they can go up and make plays. Uh, and that's something that uh, if you know with this defensive backfield of Utah State, they're not as tall. They're not as um, I guess big, strong, physical kids. DJ Williams um, and and uh, Troy LaFredge Jr. and you know, the rest of these guys are going to have to go up and make plays. Cam Haney is going to be another kid who's going to have to go up and get a ball. Uh, they're going to be expect. There's going to be a lot of things expected of this crew to go out defensively and make plays because you know Malik Henley loves to throw the ball. And not only does Malik Henley, Henry like to throw the ball, but he likes to throw it deep. They will take their play-action shots. They will take their deep shots more often than not, no matter what the weather is. And if, if you can get a pass rush on Malik and make him have to scramble the pocket, he's still a good quarterback on the run when he's got to make a throw. He can be accurate, but if you can get pressure on him where you contain him in the pocket, that's when he gets in trouble, and that's when he makes mistakes, and that's when this defensive backfield, again, of Haney, of LaFresh Jr., and of uh, DJ Williams, excuse me, uh, that's when they can do their damage and, and cause a couple of turnovers. I still think that they get over... Uh, or at least get the two-plus turnover. I think they win the turnover battle. Um, I think this uh, this game really does, for, in my opinion, favor them based on the cold weather. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, I want to talk some RPI high school football. Uh, RPI rankings come out tomorrow morning, uh, and uh, we'll find out who's going to be getting a bye. We already know for sure a couple of teams, but what about the rest of the teams? Uh, we're going to find out who's going to be on the road and who's going to be playing at home next week as well. 
Um, I've got a couple of thoughts on that. And by the way, don't forget, you can do your high school picks if you haven't. Uh, we Every week we do it. CVPickem.com. Uh, you can go on to our website. You can go on to any website. You can go to CVPickem.com, though, and uh, do your picks and, and have a chance to win. Um, well, I think, I think this week was a $100 gift card to Elements. A $100 gift card to Elements. If I'm not mistaken, is the award this week. So uh, don't forget, again, cvpickem.com. Get in there and get your picks in. Um, it's already been, it's already too late this week, obviously, but then next week, jump in on that. All right, coming back on the Full Court Press, we're getting to some high school football talk. I'm Aljay Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Andre Salas here on the Full Court Press. We are just minutes away from Nate Craigman getting you this week in the Mountain West. Uh, that'll be a 30-minute segment, and we'll turn it over to him, and then we'll call it a weekend as we get you ready for what should be a really fun weekend. Again, Utah State Aggies, Nevada Wolfpack, 8-15 tomorrow night. Pre-game on KVNU, 6-15 it starts. Post-game after, you get to share your thoughts, your opinions on what, again, we hope to be an Aggie win. If they do, it's a big one because next week, you know it's going to be a dogfight between the Air Force Falcons, which, by the way, is another 8-15 kickoff. Uh, and then you get BYU, who will be coming off a bye week after that with the Cougars. All right, so uh, high school football for uh, the 4A class has come and gone, and its regular season is over with. Now we wait for the state tournament, but it's different than other years in the past. Why? Because of the new RPI system. That's right. This new RPI system uh, has um, really a lot of people up in arms, and they're quite frustrated with how to understand how the RPI system works. Does region matter? If not, why not? How come a region champ doesn't get awarded? How is uh, how come head to heads don't matter? Why does uh, why is playing a lower uh, a higher or excuse me a lower classification team that's still top five in their class? Why does that hurt you more than losing to a higher class team who's not as good? There's all these questions about what this RPI means and what I guess what the goal is for it to do. And if you ask me, I would say the goal has not been accomplished yet. Well. And I don't think it will be accomplished. You want to lessen travel, it's going to actually heighten travel. It's going to actually be more expensive to do this. It's, I don't see how it's supposed to work, Is I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Um, there was a thing that was sent out by John Newbold to me, and it was an email. And it's an RPI update. And it's from this gentleman who you know, does his own RPI based on the criteria that the UHSA said they would use. Now, it's not official the way this looks, uh, but there is going to find 4A here. Okay, so here's how he has 4A so far. This is just, again, not official. It's, it's more biometric guess, if you will. Park City's one, Skyview's two. That is for sure. Those are your two easiest picks, without a doubt. Park City's one, Skyview's two. Skyview dominated Providence Hall. Park City's lost yet. So, yeah, that's your top two. Dixie is three. Green Canyon is four. Here's what's interesting there. Green Canyon got, or uh, actually, yeah, got beaten by Woods Cross on Wednesday night. Woods Cross, at the time, 
was ninth in the official RPI standings. Ninth. And on his radar, see if he has him listed. If he doesn't even have him listed, then you know he's way off. And I don't even see him on here. Nope, he doesn't even have Woods Cross on there. So I don't know how much. I mean, you might want to take this with a grain of salt. Uh, but he has Green Canyon 4, but they lost to Woods Cross. How much does that affect him? Pine View 5, Mountain View 6, Stansberry 7, Desert Hills 8, Snow Canyon 9, Tooele 10. Now, why does that matter? Because the top 10 teams have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Seeds 7 through 10 will play teams who have also had a bye. So he has Mountain Crest at 11th. Now, here's the odd thing to it. Mountain Crest beat Ridgeline, 6-3 in overtime, lost to Bountiful, who's a 5A class team, and Bountiful in his RPI system is second to last in 5A. Fair enough. They've won two, I guess now three games overall. They were 3-6 and six in region. I think Mountain Crest gets in with a bye. I think they've done enough to get in with a bye. I still think region matters. So I have, in in my opinion, by the way, he had Ridgeline 14, Logan 15, Bear River 12. Skyview will be 2. I think Green Canyon's 5. No matter what, they're going to get a bye and they're going to get a home game in the next round. I think Mountain Crest is 9. They're going to get a bye. I think Bear River is, I like Bear River at 12th. I think that's a fair call. Um, even with the win over Clearfield, I, I still think they stay at 12. Ridgeline at 14 is fair. Ridgeline definitely struggled during region play and towards the end of the year. Even actually, you know, with their win over Viewmont, I'll bump them up to 13th. I'll say Ridgeline 13th, and I'll say Logan at 15th. So you have a total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Sorry, I'm doing this on air. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 18 teams total in the 4A class. Logan will be at the 15th position. I think Ridgeline will be at 13th, no, 12. Sorry, Bear River will be 11. Mount Crest will be 9. So Skyview, Green Canyon, and Mountain Crest will all get buys. I don't know how he has Twill ahead of Mountain Crest. I have no idea. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I still want to know where Woods Cross is. Because Woods Cross is a 4A team. Am I going crazy here? Nope. They're a 5A team. Sorry. And he has Woods Cross, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th in the RPI rankings. So with that loss, I don't think Green Canyon gets punished as hard. They're out four. They drop one spot to five. And I like where Mountain Crest is at the ninth spot. And again, these RPI rankings are just so, it's just disastrous, right? Because even in that, so again, remember, seven through ten seeds will play teams who also had a bye. So really, Mountain Crest could end up playing Green Canyon in the, what would you call it, the the first round, because there's like that playing round, right, next week. Then there's the first round. Mountain Crest could end up playing Green Canyon in their own region. 
That's what I don't like about this. And the Copa coaches that I talked to, who I'll leave nameless, said the exact same thing. They don't like that they would have to play teams in the first round that are in their own region. That's not fair to them. Scott, you could be in that same mix as well. So, for Bear River, um, I guess when I look at this, uh, you know, who is going to line up and who might have the best shot based on the lower seeds, you know, I, I still think Bear River is a competitive football team. They have lost a lot of stars. I think they can still compete. They have to get their offense into shape. Logan's an interesting team, too. I would never count Logan out. I still think they have a shot as well to be able to make some noise in the tournament. So, again, he has Skyview 2, Green Canyon 4. He has Mountain Crest 11, which I, I really don't see happening. Ridgeline Logan, Bear River. Bear River 12, Ridgeline Logan 15, 16. All right, coming up in the... Uh, Monday edition of the Full Court Press. We'll recap the whole entire weekend that happened, right? You, uh, Utah State football, Mount West Conference, top 25 action. Uh, you can find it uh, uh, on your tube. And don't forget, you can tune into our pregame here on KV and, or excuse me, on our sister station on 610 KV. And you don't forget to tune into that. Um, you also have, uh, I'm just trying to look here at a couple of good uh, matchups that might stand out to all you all. On Saturday, there's not a lot of good matchups. In fact, it's kind of a cupcake Saturday, actually, looking at it. Yep. I mean, besides the Pac-12, Oregon and Washington at 1.30. Don't forget, you got Utah and Arizona State at 4 o'clock. BYU plays Boise at 8.15. That's at BYU. Texas and Kansas, and of course, your ABC highlight game is... Another Big Ten game. What do you know? Michigan and Penn State. Michigan goes to Penn State. Happy Valley. Harbaugh really needs to get that win. Really, really, really badly needs to get that win. Because I don't see him beating Ohio State. And I just think if you lose to your rivals, for how long he's been there, I don't think it's going to last. And I think they're going to get rid of him. Um, this, this Blue Wolverine Nation has been so patient with this that it's time to start producing. And he really hasn't. For all intents and purposes, he really hasn't produced at all. Um, Clemson at Louisville uh, should be an interesting one to me. Uh, you look for maybe an upset with Louisville, maybe. And I think that Washington gets Oregon at home. Uh, but yeah, Monday we'll recap it all for you. We'll uh, recap uh, uh, Utah State. We'll have audio from the presser as well. Everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend. And, and here comes Nate Craigman from this week in the Mountain West. Throw. Intercepted by Air Force at the 25-yard line. It's picked off for a touchdown. Kyle Johnson, number 40, with the pick, and he goes in for six. Jim Arthur from Learfield IMG College. Air Force wins at 43-24. Fresno State falls to 2-3 and three on the year. And finally, from Week 7, San Diego State pulls out a tough home win over Wyoming thanks to a circus play from senior quarterback Ryan Agnew. At the 12, Agnew sets up. Spin move to get away from pressure. Going to run the ball. Run, run, stops, throws, end zone, touchdown, Aztecs.
Ted Leitner on Extra Sports 1360 in San Diego, 26-22 the final, San Diego State 5-1. Nevada head coach Jane Norvell joins us after this from your local station. This is Rocky Long, head coach of the San Diego State Aztecs. We'll be back with more of This Week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. This is Jay Norvell, head coach of the University of Nevada. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. The Nevada Wolfpack 4-2. Big home win last Saturday over San Jose State 41-38. The Wolfpack now two wins away from bowl eligibility for the second straight season. Difficult task coming up this Saturday night on the road at Utah State. Joining us right now, the third-year head coach at Nevada, Jay Norvell. Coach, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing great, Nate. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Coach, assessment of Malik Henry after his first start for Nevada. No, I thought Malik really handled the game well. He was poised. Uh, He made some mistakes, but I was really proud of how he played through those, uh, gave his playmakers an opportunity to make plays, handled the offense really well. And I was really proud of how he responded after the turnovers. And he had two fourth quarter drives that really helped us win the game. You've started three different quarterbacks this season, and all three of them, Carson Strong, Christian Solano, now Malik Henry, have won games. Do you think you're settled now, or does this continue to be a week-to-week proposition? No, I think, I think um, you know, all three of those guys uh, have had injuries. And, and then in our preseason, I felt like we had three quality quarterbacks that were all going to have to play at some point this season, and that's been the case. So right now um, – uh, Malik is the guy that will lead our team, but we also have confidence if, if Carson or Christian have to play that we can win with those guys. So I think it's a good thing that we have talent and depth at that position. That offensive game plan against San Jose State, yes, Henry threw for 352 yards, but Toa Tawa ran 34 times for 160 yards and a score. In total, your backs had 44 carries. Not exactly traditional air raid type stuff right there, Coach. What was the thinking behind leaning so heavily on the ground game? Well, you know, San Jose State plays kind of a blanket defense, and they kind of play soft and, and give you a, a lot of run looks. So, you know, we just wanted to be smart. We have good running backs. Um, we like to see them run the ball here. And so it was just a good compliment. So I, I feel like we can, we can be productive running the football when we need to. And I also think we could be very productive passing the ball. And we were able to do both last week. Coach, what did you learn about your football team over these last few weeks? Tough home loss against Hawaii, then a bye week, then to respond the way that they did against San Jose State. What did that say about your football team? Well, I think we have a good football team. I think we're resilient. I think we're still very young in a lot of positions and we're learning week to week. And I think we're like about everybody else in college football. You know, we, we have some good players. They we're teaching them how to play the game of football every week and learn from their mistakes. And we just have to get better. We have to continue to improve and work hard and, and compete hard every week. And if we can learn from our mistakes, I think we can have success. Coach, let's talk about your freshman kicker, Brandon Talton. 12 of 12 kicking field goals this season. The game winner Saturday against San Jose State from 40 yards out. He had the game winner week one from 56 out to beat Purdue. Long way to go to be sure, but are we talking about an All-American candidate right now? 
Well, he's certainly kicking that way right now, and, and you got to give the kid, the kid, young kid, credit. He knows how to do his job, and that's all we ask any of our players to do. And we put him in some positions where he's had to come through for us, and he's probably had two two kicks that a lot of kickers never even have in their whole careers so far in his first six games. So he's been excellent. He's a very mature kid. He stays very focused in his job, and we want to keep him locked in in that same mindset. How did Talton go from walk-on to already three-time Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week this season? Well, you know, he, he kicked a huge kick in his very first game. I don't know that I've ever had a walk-on kicker in his very first game be put in that situation and come through the way that he did. And because he did that, you know, I – I just believe he kicked one of the biggest kicks in our school history, and that merited a scholarship. And I gave him a scholarship after that first game, and he certainly earned it. All right, eight wins in a bowl game victory over Arkansas State last year. Coach, in year number three, what is your assessment of where the program is now? Big picture, getting your culture ingrained there in Reno. Well, we, we still we still don't have a very deep roster. We we've been recruiting really well. We're trying to add players to our roster to give us quality depth at at many of our positions. We're still not there yet. We're playing a lot of young guys, um, so we're still growing. And so, you know, at quarterback, we have three new players. At, in the secondary, we have a lot of young guys playing. We have a brand new center, and we're still pretty young up front. So. We're trying to continue to grow, to continue to improve. We, we learn valuable uh, experience every time we play. And so we just want to keep getting better, and, and we think we're doing that. And you got Utah State on the road this week. Tough task. How do you slow down Jordan Love and that Aggies offense? You know, uh, I, I, I think uh, you know our second week in a row, we're playing another Love who's playing very well at quarterback. And, uh, you know, I just think he's, He's for sure one of the top quarterbacks in our league, and uh, and we're going to have to do a great job against him in the secondary, not giving up big plays. They also run the ball very effectively, so it's going to be a big challenge, especially being on the road. Uh, but you know, it's I think we've learned a lot of valuable lessons from our first six games, and we've got to take those into this next challenge. Coach, going into week eight here, there are no unbeaten teams left in the West Division. It's up for grabs. What are your impressions of this Mountain West Conference here in 2019? Well, it's just an, it's a great conference. There's so many different challenges week to week. I really think uh, there's not an elite team in our division. I think uh, it's going to be the, the team that continues to improve and grow and really respond when they have to uh, to win important games. So a lot of challenges left. There's a lot up, to grab and, uh, up for grabs, and we just have to be one of those teams that continues to improve and fight uh, week to week to put ourselves in position to compete at the very end. Jay Norvell and Nevada 4-2. They'll be on the road at Utah State this week, Saturday night. Big test coming up in Logan, Utah. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on the win last week. Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much. 
Up next, we'll check in with UNLV after a much-needed road win at Vanderbilt last Saturday. Former Rebels quarterback and current radio analyst Caleb Herring joins the show after this on the Mountain West Radio Network. This is Brent Brennan, head coach of the San Jose State Spartans. We'll be back with more of This Week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. With 12 institutions nestled in the nation's most desirable destinations, you'll see us enjoying life at the peak of celebration. As you witness us not only win, but win the right way, you'll find us competing at the peak of integrity. As our more than 5,000 student-athletes take the field of play with unequaled passion, you'll find us performing at the peak of competition. The Mountain West is at the peak. Come to play in Las Vegas. See the best in college basketball shine on America's biggest stage. The Mountain West Basketball Championships return to Las Vegas, March 1st through 7th. Join the March to Madness at the MW.com slash 2020 or your team's athletic ticket office. The Mountain West Basketball Championships in Las Vegas. Come to play. This is Tony Sanchez, head coach of the UNLV Rebels. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. UNLV coming off their best performance of the season by far. A 34-10 win last Saturday on the road at Vanderbilt. The Rebels back at it Friday night looking for their first conference win of the season as they're set to visit Fresno State. Joining us right now, radio color analyst for UNLV football on ESPN 1100 in Las Vegas and the starting quarterback for the Rebels the last time they played in a bowl game in 2013. It is Caleb Herring. Caleb, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you, Caleb. First win over a Power 5 opponent for the Rebels since 2008. First ever road win against a team from the SEC. Snapping a four-game losing streak here in 2019. Last Saturday's win was big in the big picture. It was big in the present day. All in all, what did it mean to the program? Well, it was huge for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. And the, the biggest, I think, for this season, the immediate team is it breaks that four-game losing streak. And and uh, there's a really bad taste in the mouth of a lot of the players. So having that experience and going down to Nashville against an SEC team with some, some guys on that team, Vanderbilt we know is struggling as well, but some guys on that team that are projected to be NFL players next year. So um, for the Rebels to go down there and handle business the way they did and not just win a game but to win it in a convincing fashion was huge for just the team morale this year. For for future teams and for the Rebel program at large, it's, it's big because it's one of those like marquee wins where – uh, you, you say this to a recruit, you know, if the season goes, you know, you get a, a few more wins to finish off the season, and then you can go say, yeah, we compete on the SEC stage and we, a nationally televised game in Nashville, this team was able to pull it off, and you can kind of put that up on a pedestal, if you will. And uh, to go along with some of the other big wins that have happened throughout the Mountain West, and, you know, with, with Purdue going down to Reno and, of course, Boise beating Florida State, the conference as a whole is boosted by wins like this because, going against these Power Five conferences and, and coming away with wins, people have to start respecting the Mountain West. And now UNLV can add their name to that hat of teams that have taken down these Power Five conferences. And it does a lot. It does a lot uh, for the team around now and, and for future recruiting to, to kind of put that up on a pedestal and, and show off like, hey, we're one of those teams that is trying to compete and you can come help that. And that, that's big for the, for the conference as well as UNLV. 
Yeah, nine wins now this season for the Mountain West over Power 5 opponents. UNLV doing their part, winning at Vanderbilt. Let's talk quarterback here, Caleb, an area of expertise for you. Kenyon Oblad gets his first win in his second start at UNLV. Armani Rogers battling injuries again this season. How does this offense function differently with Oblad under center? The, the desired difference, I think, by Coach Sanchez and, and Coach Justice, the offensive coordinator, is that the offense doesn't really change much. Obviously, you're missing the dynamic threat of Armani as a, a runner, and he's a, a phenomenal running quarterback, and there's no question about that. So that element you can't really replace if he's not available. So, um, But other than that, the play calling, the scheming, and everything, the Rebels would like it to stay as, as much the same as possible, and that would be with an emphasis on controlling and establishing the running game. Uh, with running backs like Charles Williams and now Chad Maggard adding to that and, and the offensive line really relying on that offensive line to get things done up front. And I think that was seen this week. I think the the Rebels have deviated from that plan and that format in the game's past, but this game you saw 22 carries for Charles Williams, 24 carries for Maggard, and Kenny Noblad had 16 pass attempts total. So I'd, albeit a small total of attempts, he was effective in that window. And I think he's a, a phenomenal passer of the ball. And I, I say that, and I really sincerely mean you're just watching this guy in practice day to day. His release, his mechanics are very sound to be as young as he is. And he has a very quick release. He's very uh, decisive when he wants to throw and gets the ball out of his hands quick and to his target. A little bit of zip, but he also has that finesse, as you saw with the long ball to Randall Grimes. But his ability to make those key plays in key situations, not necessarily putting the team all on his right arm and, and swing the ball all over the yard, but those pivotal third-down conversions, those shot plays that you dial up, and those fourth-down conversions like he had uh, against Vanderbilt to kind of put the icing on the cake late, those key moments he's able to deliver in the passing game. But I think the Rebels as a whole want to be a run-centered offense, and that I don't think changes regardless of who's the quarterback. Tony Sanchez, we know there's some heat there in Las Vegas here in his fifth season. So many good things happening around the program, Caleb. Facilities. The team GPA is excellent. Tony Sanchez is checking all of those boxes, but he has yet to get the Rebels to a bowl game. What did that win over Vanderbilt do to get Sanchez back on track this year? I think it's a huge win, and that's one of those immediate effects of, of beating a, a Power 5 school or, or just beating a team that you're not supposed to beat when you're a heavy underdog coming into the game. Getting that win on the road, it, it stimulates a buzz, and it gets people thinking, oh, let's, let's reconsider maybe our initial feelings. And, again, the season's young. There's still plenty of football to be played. But, uh, of course, like you said, any community where, where football or sports matter, if, if the season is not going the way you predicted it would, the coach comes under fire. And that's no secret. Tony knows it. Everybody understands that. Um, but this Vanderbilt win, it clears the mechanism, so to speak, and that talk kind of uh, along with the opening, the ribbon cutting for the Fertitta Complex, and you get to have that kind of his baby, his 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 piece de resonance, if you will. Like, so that's his what he's going to be remembered for at UNLV, and that ribbon cutting ceremony along with his win, and it kind of re-energizes the momentum behind why Tony Sanchez is the guy, and I think he's got to use that, and of course he will, and understanding that the wins have to be a part of it, but all of the things you mentioned, the, G, the team GPA, the, the, the graduation rate and the Fertitta Complex, the funding and the new stadium, even Allegiant Stadium opening next year, those things are what he has done. I think he's had his mark on those things getting done to push the program forward. And I think that being brought to the forefront helps take a little bit of the pressure off and it helps that they be Vanderbilt as well.
Absolutely. Big West Division showdown coming up Friday night. UNLV at Fresno State. Caleb Herring will be on the call along with Russ Langer on ESPN 1100, the Rebel flagship there in Las Vegas. Caleb, thank you so much for the time. Have a great trip out to Fresno. Enjoy the rest of this season. Thank you. I appreciate it. You guys take care. We'll preview the entire Week 8 schedule around the Mountain West next after these words from your local station. This is Jeff Tedford, head football coach of the Fresno State Bulldogs. We'll be back with more of This Week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. This is Gary Anderson, head football coach, Utah State University. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. The Week 8 schedule in the Mountain West gets rolling Friday night. UNLV at Fresno State at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Both the Rebels and Bulldogs looking for their first win in conference play. UNLV did win the last time they went to Bulldog Stadium in 2017. You'll watch that game on CBS Sports Network. Five games Saturday starting at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. New Mexico heads up north to Laramie to take on Wyoming at War Memorial Stadium. You'll see that game on AT&T Sports Network. Wyoming redshirt freshman quarterback Sean Chambers now with eight rushing touchdowns this season. That's tied for second most among FBS quarterbacks. You can stream San Diego State at San Jose State at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Facebook. Aztecs leading the West Division with a 2-1 conference record. And Dom Dominating with defense number one in the Mountain West in both scoring and total defense here in 2019. Jay Norvell and Nevada on the road at Utah State at 815 Mountain, 715 Pacific on ESPNU and the Watch ESPN app. Aggies quarterback Jordan Love really has yet to get going here in 2019. His eight interceptions, the second highest total in the Mountain West, and his six touchdown passes only ties him for seventh in the league. Love was the preseason offensive player of the year in the conference. One game in non-conference this week, number 13 Boise State at BYU on ESPN2 and the Watch ESPN app at 815 Mountain. The Cougars started strong before losing their last three to Washington, Toledo, and USF. The Broncos at 6-0 if Hank Bachmeyer is unable to start a quarterback for Boise State after suffering that hip injury against Hawaii. Then look for both Chase Cord and Jalen Henderson to see the field Saturday night. Finally, we'll wrap it up with Air Force at Hawaii at 5 p.m. Hawaii time. That's 9 p.m. Mountain on CBS Sports Network. Falcons, the number one rushing team in the Mountain West. Rainbow Warriors, the best passing team in the conference. Something has to give. Critical game for both teams in their respective divisions. We'll be staying up late Saturday night to watch this one. Colorado State has a bye this week. And that will do it for the Week 8 edition of This Week in the Mountain West. I'm your host, Nate Kreckman. Enjoy your college football weekend. This is Craig Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West. We'll talk to you next week right here. Right here. Right here on This Week in the Mountain West.